Welcome to episode 164 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. Today we caught up with Lucas Smith, a new friend we met at XOXO. He's a product designer here in the Bay Area working at Ernest. Uh, we dig into things like design systems. And what do they mean? What does it even mean? Uh, Lucas's background and of course so much more. But before we get into that, we want to thank our two sponsors for making this episode possible. First up, Managed by Q. Managed by Q. MBQ, it's an operating system for physical spaces. They're working with hundreds of companies right now in four cities, uh, handling everything from catering to IT to cleaning, plumbing, office supply management. They make it easy to run a space or to run an office. It's a company founded by two designers who believe that design is a core asset to the company and a key differentiator in this industry. And they're looking for people to help with their mission. They've raised $42.4 million based on this premise that creating good jobs is fundamental to what they do, like being successful. They treat all their employees well, from software engineers to office cleaners, and they know that five-star service comes from talented, motivated people. They treat their people well, and they want you to join their team. They're looking for product and brand designers in their headquarters in New York City. Uh, of course, they're willing to relocate the right candidates, uh, but you should go join them. They get to work with awesome investors, including Daniel Burka, who's a design mentor that works with their team weekly, one of our favorite people, solving challenging problems for physical spaces and making companies operate more efficiently. It's an exciting opportunity. If you have questions or want to talk more about it, go into our Slack team, spec.fm slash Slack, talk to JT White. He's actually a designer there right now. He's kind of managing the hiring process. Or if you just want to research on your own, you can go to spec.fm slash MBQ, stands for Managed by Q. That'll take you to their careers page, tell you everything you want to know. Of course, we are so happy to have Managed by Q sponsoring us. They are a design-led company uh, looking for great people to join their team. Again, go to spec.fm slash MBQ to learn more. Yeah, thanks once again to Managed by Q. Our second sponsor is our good friends at Wayno. So Wayno and team just wrote a post this last week. Yes. Uh, it was about what they've done to give back to the community. We were on there. What can yeah, we say? They've done a lot to make the make the entire industry and the the world better honestly like they donate to causes that i think are really important they donate to planned parenthood they donated to join pdx which gets homeless families into permanent housing they've, they've spent a lot of time trying to do the right things for people and they sponsor this podcast it makes it really easy to love them yeah <laughs> beyond the awesome people there they they really care about others uh they are sponsoring us they make this show possible we could not do this without Wayno. we're so thankful for them uh, and they really aren't trying to sell anything they're supporting us at the end of the day they would love for you to check out their work which is inspiring and gorgeous you can see all their case studies and more at their website uh, wayno.co course you should follow them on twitter and instagram they're hilarious they're doing a big rebranding project right now sharing things like new business cards that i want even though i don't work there awesome design and video hilarious team some of our favorite people just check out their work of course if you want a job or want to level up they're also hiring in san francisco and new york they're looking for designers you can go to wayno.co slash careers tell them we sent you but at the end of the day just go go get inspired their website is wayno.co u-e-n-o .co. Uh, we are so thankful to have them as sponsors and for doing what they do in the design community. Check them out at wayno.co. With that, let's get into episode 164 with Lucas Smith. Let's do it. Um, I'm Lucas Smith. I'm a product designer. Uh, I work at Ernest. I have two kids who I love and I live in Alameda. 
I really thought you were going to say I have two kids I don't love and that I <laughs> deeply despise. worried for this. <laughs> Hope they're not listening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think they have they get podcasts yet, so they're good. I don't think they're, I don't think they're good. <laughs> Give them time. They'll be listening back to Well, this is, this is an explicit <laughs> podcast. It's for mature ears only. Oh, good. So. Yeah, they won't have access to it. Uh-huh. I'm sure that I'm sure iTunes is great at like gatekeeping that because <laughs> they're good at all the things. That little red E, that'll stop you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's surprising how easy it is for people to bypass that altogether by using a different app. Uh, yes. Yeah, did. Uh, does, do you all use, uh, oh, what's it called? What's Marco's? Overcast. Yeah. Overcast. Pocket, I can, Pocket I can, Cast. I can That's never I remember what Overcast is called because that sounds like a weather app. I talked to him about it at yes. XOXO and it was really entertaining to hear like how his experience has been with that. Yeah. He's like, yep, should have named it something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we saw... Did he say that? No. Oh. <laughs> I saw him petting a dog at XO and I was like... He was very excited about dogs. This is so weird that this dude is this dude is like super famous and like one of the great engineers of our time is petting a dog over there. God, it felt really doing weird. Doing no, no, human no. things. Yeah. He like oh. runs over to a dog and he's like, can I pet your dog? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa. This is like, yeah, he's cool. No, he's super cool. Uh, he helped us shop for new microphones. Oh, yeah. He doesn't he have like a mega, like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's the, I find that there's like a couple people online who if I like know like a niche I'm going to look for something for, mm-hmm. I don't use Wirecutter or Sweet Home. I use that person. Uh, and Marco is like the, he's like the audio expert. So he hadn't tried out the headphones I carry with me everywhere, the Master Dynamic MW60s, mm-hmm. and I hadn't tried out his Beta 87A microphone, so we kind of swapped briefly. Aww. Awesome. That's cute, guys. Got to test them out in the podcast trailer. I didn't go in that trailer. I didn't even go near it, I was the first it, guest think. of the day. Ooh. Oh, one of the days God, with Sarah. So it's weird. Famous. We're so fancy. <laughs> yeah. So All for, 12 people heard us. <laughs> so for context, we did meet... Uh, approximately six days ago yes we did and justin pervorce introduced me because uh-huh. he introduces me to everyone i know uh-huh. um jp yeah he's my he's my little buddy mm-hmm. um i don't think people see him that way <laughs> everyone tells us we're too bay-centric because we don't get out of town to meet people and we went to meet people and then fucking bay dude here. yeah although i've only been here since april i'm i'm new uh-huh. to the bay yeah uh have I, you been scoping out the uh albany bulb the oh right yeah. alameda alameda bulb no it's the albany bulb albany I bulb. did you learn about it yeah but okay. on justin's episode i called it the alameda bulb and he got i don't uh, know what that means truly at all. offended is that that's the thing next to the where all the boats are yeah it's like this mm, yes it's this the land boat place. it's the this land mass that goes out into the bay mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it used to be a dump mm-hmm. and now it's a park yeah and well that's it's not, got like a big tower in it the that you dog can go patch used to be a dump it's all landfill uh-huh I mean, at one point, this was all kind of just shit, right? Yeah, Dude, this was like... Hey, yeah. middle-class living areas doesn't mean shit. <laughs> have this you was s- a blue-collar neighborhood, you jerk. Well, if we go back far enough. Have you if seen... If we go back far enough, it was just nature. It was Fuck just that shit. <laughs> Nerd. At, at some point, it was part of the Big Bang. We don't know. <laughs> there was like a really big like art photo project of someone like who excavated a bunch of old photos of this neighborhood yes, in like 2013. Oh, there's like a... I go to Ted's all the time for lunch because they're like... Club Ted is one of the great sandwiches of all time. Um, it's on, well, I don't know what street it's on. Careful. It's one back from Mission. Mm-hmm. Anywho, great so, sandwiches. If you Howard. need a sandwich, hit Ted's. Yeah, it might be Howard. Have um, you tried Darwin yet? Because that's the, no. those are the money sandwiches right there. Okay. Ted's is just like a corner store that has sandwiches, but it's been there since like the 60s. And there's one of the pictures in the thing is these two dudes behind the counter at Ted's, like who work there. And the dudes who work there now look just like the dudes in the picture. I think like might, might be their kids. 
And I'm like, ooh, this is like spooky, weird. I know I didn't know any of that until like I saw that picture. It's actually like, the pictures age and the people don't. Right, <laughs> right. It's really Nick Cage. They're all just Nick Cage. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, what are you working on right now? I work on internal tools at Ernest, which mm-hmm. is a uh, a company that does we're fintech, so we give student loans um, and we try to use data instead of traditional scoring models um, to give better loans to better people um, or to less like less likely to get a loan people. Like if you have a low FICO score and we can prove um, beyond a shadow of a doubt that you actually are worthy of this loan, um, we use data science to do that. Uh, we can give better rates. So you're like Thor, yes. but for loans, precisely. My son's name, one of my oldest Lonier. son's name is Odin, by the way. Oh. Speaking of Thor. <laughs> Speaking of it. Thor. I dig it. Does he have only one eye? He has only one eye. No. <laughs> he has really. In his name. He has only one eye in his name. He has only one eye in his name. <laughs> uh, he has really long hair. Um, he's, a, he's a character. He's like, he's like the empathy machine. Um, he like feels everything all the time. He's four and he's just like, it's uh, unbelievable. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Are you training him? Uh, no, my wife is a therapist little side note uh so she is training him uh <laughs> to be empathic to all people and things it's really cool huh. um, and weird not a thing i thought i would be excited about for my son but i am nice yeah. uh how long have you been in the bay area been the in Baria. the bay been in the barrier since um april we moved here i took my job um this is a little funny little side story i took my job at Ernest in well why don't we st- should we Talk about how I ended up in the Bay Area? Yeah, we can. Let's start from the beginning, Lucas. Uh, Okay, we can start from the beginning. Where are you from? I grew up in Maryland, Mm -hmm. uh, right outside of of Annapolis. I went to high school in Annapolis, Maryland, um, a town called Severna Park. So that's where my parents grew up. And that's like, I'm the first person to ever leave there. Um, so all my friends think I'm a super weirdo. Um, You're Lucas Smith of the Severna Park Smiths. Of the Severna Park Smiths. Yes, exactly. That's probably how it would be said there. Um, <laughs> uh, so growing up was really weird. Like people had these expectations of me because they knew my family and knew my uncles. My mom's brothers were like troublemakers. It was like this sort of a thing. So I think that like a lot of that sort of got put on me. Um, so I played like lacrosse growing up and then I had like sort of like the opportunity to go play lacrosse in college. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Um, so I went to the college of Charleston, uh, with no idea about what I wanted to do. I just knew that I could go there and surf and like hang out. And there were like, you know, all the things I wanted there. Um, and I ended up in computer science of all things, but growing up my dad, so solving problems is something that is really like natural to me. My dad's a woodworker. He's owned a cabinet shop. He actually kind of just pseudo retired, uh, owned a cabinet shop since I was born. So everything, you know, the old adage of like, if all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. Mm-hmm. Growing up, like everything was wood. Like we built boats. <laughs> we like, you know, built all the furniture in the house. Like if something needed to be fixed, it got fixed. Like when I was 12, I had to roof our shed. Um, it's like, it was just like, all right, that's what we're doing today. Um I remember breaking a window once and he was like, all right, I'm going to teach you how to fix windows. Uh, and I think I was like 11 or something. And he was like, we're going to go to the, go to the shop and get the, cut the glass. And then we got to do it. It was like, you know, normal uh-huh. dad things, which I find myself doing all the time. Um, but so like I, we were like makers ultimately. Mm-hmm. And well, it sounds like fixers. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We broke a lot of shit. We broke a lot of shit, and then we had to fix it. Um, yeah. And like dad yelling at me to fix the thing. Uh, I remember vividly making this is sort of a like like a deep memory, um, making uh, like Pinewood Derby car for like Cub mm-hmm. Scouts when I was a kid. Um, and him like reaming me because it like wasn't sanded enough. Um, and I remember being like, I just spent an hour sanding this Did thing. Did you chisel like, this thing? Yeah, like, could it be smoother? I don't know. Um, and I was probably like eight or nine. 2,000 and- grit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, how can there be more, Dad? There's so much drag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I immediately am like doing that with my kids, which I'm like trying to fix. Like I'm, I'm actively trying to fix that because I like put it out of my mind and mm-hmm. then I had kids and I was like, Oh, I don't this is do what I know how to do because yeah, because this is the way I was raised. Um, and I'm like, well, that's not good enough. So we need to like do that better. And then I'm like, but that's just like your kid art project. Who cares if it's good? Uh, or like we're putting together Legos. And I'm like, dude, just like come, let's step it up a little bit. You're teaching him critique. I yeah, like it. Critique at a very young age. Uh, yeah. <laughs> your Legos look, suck. Dude. Yeah. Look at the structural rigidity here. Yeah. <laughs> is that really solving a problem for its little yellow users? <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's totally the conversation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is where. For a word. Yeah, these are the users, son. And here, yeah, um, these are your personas. Just lay out the faces. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we were like group maker, and in college, I like all my friends were in bands, and I was like always wanted to play music, but I was never good at it. And um, so I started like making things for my friends' bands, and that ended up being like websites. And like I was fascinated by the web. Mm-hmm. I was really early to like be sort of like I was really into hardware at one point, where I would like build my own computers and all this stuff out of wood out of wood they would be like wood they were cases. slow computers <laughs> they were, they were in fact they didn't conduct it was just yeah, a box. Not, not very conductive <laughs> turns just out just a box filled with marbles i don't know why it didn't work god uh, damn it i followed the instructions <laughs> uh, but yeah so then like i was like oh computer science is a thing that's that's a thing like there was like dot com boom times uh-huh. and i was like all right this is how you make the money um, they make the manuals out of wood <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so i was like all right cool i can learn programming and i'd like had like my first um video game system was atari xe and that's like the first time i ever programmed what's that uh atari xe <laughs> yeah uh, i know the name atari yeah xe was I this weird the- desktop like a like set top thing that uh i don't even know there were like cartridges i think and when my parents got it for me, they got me like this weird like printer for it. Um, so it was like nice. a printer that you could hook in like via serial cable. Um, yes. And what? it was like these little like ballpoint pen heads that would draw yep. Yep. the thing. So you could like program it to, to like draw. And what's that? There's that computer game that has like the turtle. Do you know what I'm talking about? Not Frogger. No, no, no. It's just like that's a turtle. A frog, that, Bryn. It was like a way to learn how to program. I, that's why I said not Frogger. Uh, not Frogger. Yeah, it was um, a way to learn how to program with this turtle, and you would like tell the turtle where to go. Um, and was you it were just Swift like, Playgrounds? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was. It was actually not so Swift Playgrounds. So that's the turtle. Yeah, I think it was made. I think it was made Atari by Playground. that same guy. I'll, I'm I'm gonna butcher that, so I won't go down that path. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, so I learned like all this programming, so I could like draw stuff on this like weird printer that had like these ballpoint pen heads um, Did y'all ever play that the game boy photo thing they had a camera for a minute that you could print stuff yes yes holy shit, yeah so bad that was like <laughs> yeah oh yeah that's how this was this was awful like i i think that i could probably go find this printer and like i would have like the best experience playing with it now um but yeah it was like a weird game console that you could just program on it was like a weird hybrid of it being a computer and a game console like <laughs> there was like 
uh missile command was on it that's like the only game i ever loved on it um anyway so that was like my very earliest early programming stuff yeah so then i went to college and like i was like i don't know computer science is cool we're learning like java which was like hot at the time i had this weird teacher who was super into haskell java (laughs) um so i learned a bunch of haskell so this everyone being like functional programming is awesome i'm like yeah because our computers are fast and like functional programming is awesome um so that's like been interesting like just from a timing standpoint um because no one was doing that 10 years ago sick monads dude yeah oh totally and like it it's it just makes sense um so I went to school, did that. I was like designing stuff for my friends' bands and websites and stuff. And then I graduated from college. And in college, I worked on Mozilla um, as like one of my college projects. Like when Mozilla had just been open sourced, I guess like ah. Netscape had been open sourced. Mm-hmm. We had this practicum class where we had to be in it for a year. So I ended up being in college for an extra year because I couldn't start. It was like a whole like, you know, pre yeah, problem. Yeah. So... We worked on the Mozilla Calendar project when they were trying to integrate a calendar into the browser because they were trying to integrate everything into the browser at the time, um, which still to me makes sense, but no one agrees. Were they trying to build it all in JavaScript? Yeah, it was like JavaScript. Classic. And below it was like C. There was like some C we had to write to like actually get into the APIs to do this calendar stuff. But I like designed it and then we built it as a team. Like there was like four of us and they were like, well, you like you understand Photoshop because like, you know. Designer. Yeah. Well, yeah, because like, you know, you everybody needed a fake ID and like someone had to steal a copy of Photoshop, <laughs> you know, and. I was felt Did you just say that out on the air? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um that might have been what happened. I don't know. Um but yeah. I cannot neither confirm nor deny yeah. that I created fake IDs in Photoshop. Yeah, or borrowed a copy of Photoshop from Adobe. Um Thanks Adobe. Thanks for the loan. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. Hashtag that's how we all learned. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I was like that was the first time I was like, Oh, you could like we can like design things too and I was like, All right, I sort of like get that. So then I was doing all those websites for my friends. I was like super inspired by like uh the We Fail guys. Did anyone do you know those guys? No. Um, they were in like Austin and they were making these like insanely weird um flash sites that had like all this bizarro interaction pattern and like animation and it was like really weird outsider art slash commerce websites it was very strange um but they were doing super cool stuff so i was like super inspired by that and i was building all these like band websites and i got out of school and since i did that year-long thing where i had to work where i worked on the mozilla thing i ended up like almost getting an accounting degree so when i graduated yeah i know because we we, really liked haskell yeah i really (laughs) liked haskell um yeah so i like we had a bunch of finance prereqs or whatever and so i went and got this like weird accounting job where i was like in-house at a a lender a, a home lender and i wrote like a pearl script to eliminate like three of the five days of week of my job um that was really just like data entry so i like wrote this pearl script and i was like all right cool that thing just runs i just hit a button like on monday and like half my job more than half my job was done so i was able to like spend time designing and building websites like in my cubicle and no one knew i never told anyone that i like didn't have a job like that i didn't have the job they were paying me to do (laughs) um and uh well technically you did it. I did it. I was crushing it. Like uh-huh. they were like, this is the most exact work this guy's ever. So goddamn efficient. Yeah, I was like, computers. <laughs> um, and anyway, so like that went horribly. Uh, the way that uh-huh. job ended was with my like the uh, the CFO of the company. No, he's a controller. 
offering to take me outside and fight me on my last day. That's a whole other story. But wait, it's, wait, 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 wait. It's so good. Oh, yeah. Good. Uh, we want that other story. It <laughs> okay. sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. So there, we were getting was it audited. Like jousting? Oh, no. We were getting <laughs> audited. And like it was like we were, I stumbled across some very illegal things we were doing. Um, this company doesn't exist anymore. So it's not that big a deal. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, surprise, surprise. They were doing illegal accounting things. So I had had this like, I had some information that the auditors wanted because they knew they they were like on the trail of this thing because it was like a couple million dollars that had been sort of like weirdly embezzled. Um, and we were using it as like a slush fund to like keep our books balanced. And every month at the end of the month, my job was to like reconcile this account. And I'd always be like, what is weird? What is this a weird account? And they'd always be like, oh, don't worry about it. Don't like don't sweat that. Everyone hey, above me. Hey, Lucas. Hey, yeah. don't don't even don't yeah. even second guess this. Yeah, pretend that's not there. <laughs> it's totally cool. Um, so then they they found out that I had like done the pearl script thing and got like mad at me and i was like well you should actually like congratulate me <laughs> and like ask me to do more because i think i can eliminate this other person's job like entirely like i'm gonna buy you like fifty thousand dollars a year like you want that um so they got kind of mad at me and then these auditors were asking me for this data and i like had it i had this weird phone call with this dude at a bank in texas and he was like i was in atlanta time he was like oh this is the kind of thing people go to jail for like you we did not have this conversation um He's like, let me call you back in like two minutes. And he called me like on a different line. It was like this whole thing. Jesus. It was like super sketchy. So then the auditors are like asking me, asking me, asking me. And they did this thing where they were like, uh, we're going to fire you if you like don't shape up. And I was like, I, I'm like doing this job better than anyone else. I don't understand what's happening. And um, I was like, I, I'm just going to quit if this gets any worse. So the auditor thing was happening. And I t- went to them and I was like, they really want this data. And I have the data. Like, what do I do with these auditors? Do I just like lie to them? Because I feel like that's kind of like unethical. And um, they were like, yeah, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. Like, don't just like obfuscate the process. And I was like, oh, my God, I hate this. So I was like, okay, cool. I quit. Like, I can't deal with this anymore. This is like so super weird. And the last day I was working there, the audit was still going on. The guy came to my desk. It was like 4 p.m. the last day I'm there. And he's like, hey, do you have anything about this account? Like, we know we're eventually just going to find it. So you can just give it to us. And I was like, all right. So I just gave it to them. Uh, and they like went straight to the controller's office. And they were like, this is weird. Um, and he came out of his office. We was like an open floor plan. Like these cubicles were like real low ones. And it was like this whole level of this building. And he comes out and he's like, Lucas, I'm going to take you outside. And he's like, you can go. You can take your shit. You can go. And he was like, um, I'm going to take you outside. And he was like a little guy. And I'm a big dude. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and when I was younger, I was in much better shape. Um, and I was like, cross. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and surfing, I like surfed all the time. And, um, and when we moved to Atlanta, I was like, uh, skating a little bit and like trying to be in shape. I was like, you don't want to take me outside. Don't. Cause that's not going to end good for either of us. I'm just going to be like, def- like deflecting your punches and like hoping you don't hurt yourself because like, <laughs> I'm not going to fight you. You're like 45 and I'm like 23 and like, this is not going to go well. Um, so I was like, and I just like packed my stuff up and left and I like never talked to anyone who worked there ever again. It was like just like this like vaporized like it's like a, it's like a thing that never happened in a weird way. Um, it was all a dream. Yeah, it is like really like it's all a dream. It's all Pearl Script flavored dream. Yeah. And I had I have this like weird like anytime I go near the building, I have these like weird recollections of things that I did there. And like uh, the last time I rode by it, I was like, I think the last time I was here, it was like. I like was really down. It's like it's like this like visceral feeling being near the energy. building. Yeah, mm-hmm. so sad. I remember working Saturday when it was snowing and like just like I have these like weird memories of working. It snows there. in Atlanta. Uh, yeah, like twice a year. Oh. It's like usually like sleet. 
more ah. than it is snow. Uh-huh. But sometimes there's like an inch or two of snow. Huh. And then they shut the whole city down for like mm-hmm. two weeks because everyone's confused about what's going on. How do we car? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, it's raining. But we better close some schools. <laughs> what does this sky white do? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, so anyway, I, I left. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh-huh. So anyway. So, yeah. So anyway, see, I'm very tangential. Um, I left that job. Uh, my, my wife's uh, brother, he's like 13 years older than her. Um, they have like, a, that's a whole story. Um, <laughs> he's like a, he's like that a story. We can, we can move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is a traditional graphic designer. He like uh-huh. went to like art Institute in the eighties. Um, and he was doing like print work and print work. And then he started doing UX stuff for IBM in Atlanta. And he eventually became like the head of UX there. And then he was the head of UX at Novell. And in 2004, Novell closed the UX department. He like has this hilarious story of like over six months firing 200 people. Um, in, from his department. And that it was sounds like, hilarious. hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the way he tells it is like, well, like we would just play golf all the time because there was no work to do. Um, and he's like, and everyone knew like we were just like riding this thing down. It's like a really wild story. So anyway, when they closed that department, he was like, oh, cool. Like I'll, um, can I just have the clients that you all have? They had like the side business of doing client work. And he, they were like, absolutely. So he opened a shop and he was like, I need a front end dev. Do you want to do it? And I was like, Sure. Like, that sounds great. You did all the front end in Haskell? Did it all in Haskell. <laughs> um, it was like early days. It was like CSS was new, uh-huh. you know? Like, it was like inline styles was cool. And it was, and uh, which it is, are. which it is again. Uh huh. Yeah. So, wait, inline styles aren't cool. What are you talking about? Uh huh. Oh, Tachyons the, is the They're gym. the hotness, dude. Tachyons isn't inline. Uh, I mean, it kind of is. The classes? Kind of. The, I mean, that's not what inline means. So uh, it's true. <laughs> well, like, well, all the React Functional CSS, though. Inline. Yes. Yeah. Functional CSS. No one uses React, though. Yeah, no one uses React. Is that a thing? React? Re- um, sounds pretty Sounds like something they, they cooked up in Menlo Park. Mm. Um, yeah. So anyway, I started doing that, and I was like, hey, can I do more design work with you? Like, if there's more design work, can I have some? And he was like, yeah, totally. I trust you to do design work. And um, that was like 2004. And by 2006, he, I was, I was literally, I got married, went on my honeymoon, got home, signed the papers on a house I was buying. Uh, that I still own, and um, the next day, he says, "Oh, hey, so I'm gonna go. Uh, I got I got offered to be like head of design for Dell.com. I'm moving to Austin. Um, I'm closing our company. Uh, you no longer have to get a paycheck." And I was like, "I just told someone I would pay them every month for, for 30 house. years, um, <laughs> sir. I need some income." And he was like, "Take any of the clients you want that we have." So. I was like super junior and I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to do that. Cause it's like the only, my only option right now and I couldn't pay my bills otherwise. Um, so I was doing some like freelance gigs. I was doing this thing where I like had all these clients and built a business. Um, and it was like the main client that I had was like this flooring conglomerate. Uh, like all the floors get made in Georgia, just so you know, in Dalton, Georgia. And, um, yeah, I just like took these clients and they were great. It was like building marketing stuff and like marketing materials for all of their members who were flooring companies all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've seen like a flooring logo that was designed in like 2006 to 2010, it was probably me. Oh, isn't, shit. Isn't now that, that you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they were all previously they had been designed in 1998. Yeah. So it was like, oh, we got to re we got to re uh, uh-huh. hash this company. Mm-hmm. Um so I did that for a long time, and then I ended up doing like a bunch of WordPress stuff. I got really heavy into like the PHP, um, writing plugins, stuff like that. And then I realized like I was only doing like admin work for like these clients and like chasing money um, and engineering work. And I was like, why am I not designing? That's what I like to do. Um, and I was like designing maybe like twenty percent of the time. 
and because I would like build a design system for a company, a design system, like a style guide, effectively, uh, sort of they're the same thing in a, in a way. I can talk about that Let's a little get bit to more. That. Uh-huh. And I was like doing that like full time. It was like exhausting. And I was like, I just want to design. So I found, I happened to like see some dudes talking in a uh, comment thread on a post that I was interested in on the internet. And I was like, hey, you guys have a company. I would love to talk to you. I think what you're doing is interesting. Um, and it's like WordPressy, and I have WordPress knowledge. Let's do it. Um, and they were in Santa Cruz at the time. They were called Shane and Peter. Now they're called Modern Tribe, and they have like the number one downloaded plugin on the face of the planet. Modern Tribe is a better name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they are like they're fully distributed. It sort of makes sense that they're like this Modern like tribe, tri- yeah, yeah. tribal thing. Uh-huh. It's like kind of cool um, because they're not around each other. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, they're not. Yep, that's what tribes do. Yeah, cool. they're not near each other, and then they come together like every quarter mm-hmm. um, and have like a week where they like do their thing, and then they like all go mm-hmm. back to their. Um, so anyway, uh, one of them is in St. Paul actually. Um, Reed, he's uh, just an amazing human being. Um, I think they're all just like awesome dudes. So I worked with them. That introduced me to like Bay Area clients because I did a bunch of work for eBay. Like mobile was a thing, right? Um, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yeah, like yeah. mobile became a real thing, now. right? <laughs> Um, and we were doing apps and stuff like that and like responsive websites and sort of thinking through like, what does that mean? How does that affect like these design systems that we're building for a client and then just like handing off to their designers, Uh um, is like complex. Uh And I think there was like a lot of growing pains in there. Uh, things like, uh, Icon fonts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Ah, icon fonts. Mm -hmm. Mm, I am guilty. Bryn, how do you feel about icon fonts? (sighs) (laughs) Anyways, what did you do after that? <laughs> uh, so after that, I started working for a startup. Uh, I got hooked up through, I did some work with some YC companies, and then I got hooked up with uh, a founder of a company who was doing some really interesting, um, I'm really interested in product thinking around like that, like sort of that higher order product thinking. I ended up working on a product products with, uh, with him for three years. Okay. And it was sort of like at the end of its like lifespan, and we were like, "Oh, we'd have to do so much to like actually raise an A and like move on. Uh, let's just like call it." And we were like getting aqua hired, and I was like, "That doesn't sound great." And I was already talking to Facebook about taking a job there, and that was last summer. And uh, Facebook had like the al- that allocation thing happen where they like had they hired all the designers they needed, and they were like, "We this has never happened before." Um, so myself and like four or five other designers were still in the pipeline and we all got like yeses, but they were like, yes, but we can't hire you until sometime in October. And it was like the end of October, I think when they eventually gave me an offer. Um, so I was like, what's up? I should think about doing bridge. Like I've always thought that was an interesting thing. I'll go talk to them. Designer fund. Yeah. Designer fund bridge. And, um, and Justin, uh, Pervorce, who's my friend who lives here was like heartily convincing me to move out here because our wives are super good friends and he thought it would alleviate some stress, I think for his wife because my wife will be here and it actually has been great they're like having so much fun together and um i was like i talked to him one day and he, i was like oh yeah i'm gonna do bridge and he was like oh cool i'm talking to this guy from a company called Ernest on monday and i was like i just talked to him on the phone um so we both like we're like oh that would be interesting if we worked together so we ended up working there for a while together um he took off a few months ago and um and yeah so i'm still there and that's sort of how I got here. So here we are. You've been in the Bay Area for a little bit. Is that the longest intro ever? No. Uh, that was pretty Jacob's good. was 45 minutes. Yeah, we've oh, done good. longer. You can do better. For sure. we've okay. Done longer. Good. Um, good. Good. Question. Yes. This is the first time you've lived in the Bay Area then? But yes. I'd only... So I used to come all the time. We're, our office were, offices were in Palo Alto yeah. for my last startup. Uh-huh. So I'd come to Palo Alto and like stay downtown and then 
like come to the city every once in a while, but not not frequently. So this is really like all super new. What does it feel like coming, being a designer from East Coast, South, yeah. uh, and now you're here? Uh, like there's like cultural things that are super uh-huh. duper weird. Um, like? Uh, I feel like everyone's like in a hurry and everyone is like a little bit like uh, I don't want to say like self-involved. Oh, like that's, that's okay. not that's not like the right. I don't think that's the right way to say it. I think that everyone is focused, uh, and I don't think that's like a necessarily like. I think that's like a better way to say it. That everyone has this focus here, um, whereas like everyone in the South sort of is like, oh, that's a cool thing. Oh, that's a cool thing. Like, and they, and they're like all squirrel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're like this. Like, th- there's like yes. something to like living like in that like Piedmont, and it's always hot and like you have this level of like uh like chillness that's always happening and i feel like the bay area is like not as chill as i would have expected it to be like you think of like oh man it's like stoner culture california and then you're like no like people here are not that way at all like everyone's in a like in a rush and everyone's commuting and it's just like everyone's getting like beat down by the system and like they're just a little bummed out all the time um and i feel like in the <laughs> in the south everyone is like i don't know i'm always i'm always kind of happy um <laughs> so that's how i feel here Oh, interesting. I was super bummed out all the time in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Well, Minnesota has like literally the worst weather. <laughs> yeah. It's like either 100 and like 100% humidity or it's like negative 100 <laughs> and there's like 12 feet of snow on the ground. I just read a thing like maybe a month ago that said it had the highest temperature variance in the United States oh, or maybe man. North America. I can't remember. So but it brutal. was like ridiculous. My mom. Uh, like, no wonder I hated it. My mom lived in like... I forget the neighborhood. My mom is from there when okay. she, until she was like seven. She lived in uh, Minnesota, in Minneapolis, like in, like near Minnetonka, I think. Okay. Yeah. Do you ever feel like an outsider? Always feel like an outsider. Um, I was joking with Justin that like, uh, so when you asked me if I would like to do this, I was like, so, so my first thought was like, sell out. Am I being punked? A. Uh, <laughs> yes. Is this, is this some sort of trap where they're going to like pit me against someone because I have a tendency to like go pretty harsh on people? Um, uh, or like, are they doing like margin? Is there going to be a new show that's just like marginal designers? <laughs> like designers no one knows about? Because that's me. Um, <laughs> designers I, who work entirely in Pearl Script and Haskell? Yes, exactly. exactly. Details. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The very, like the serious details, mm-hmm. uh, which I actually think would be a cool show to like bring on people who like, you wouldn't expect to be on like designers who you who no one knows there's like something interesting in um talking to people who do your job but don't do it like uh aspirationally does that make sense like i feel like everyone you have on the show has like this aspiration to be like the greatest designer in the world or like has this like aspiration to be like this big thing and there's so many designers who don't care about that who are just like this is my job and i do it and i love it and i like making things and that's my job and they don't like keep up with trends they don't like they're just like totally content which camp are you in uh i'm somewhere i am a person who like sits on the sidelines and observes everything and absorbs it all okay Uh, i'm like a like a crazy bookmarker um so when people are like oh like talking about something some pattern or something i'm like Oh, give me like two minutes and I'm going to go like, we'll talk about it and we'll look at it working. Command like, F. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. for me, it's like if I can see a pattern, I can like, I'm really good at recognizing patterns. Patterns are like my thing. Like in my brain, everything is a pattern. Like this room is a pattern. Um, and I'm well, like, yeah, it's like checkerboard. Yeah, it's like checkerboard. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so like there's this like um, a tangible thing about everything I interact with that I can like catalog in my head and like bring up later. Um, oftentimes it makes it so you don't have to make a prototype. Like there's something about like 
working at the right fidelity is really important to me. If the fidelity is someone else already built that, let's take a look at it, is like that's the best fidelity at the beginning of a project. Because you can say like that doesn't work for us or something about that we could tweak. If we merge this thing and this thing, actually it would work. Sure. Um, and we can have like a real conversation and point at the thing, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is part of what makes like the EPD, like engineering product design thing, complex. The communication between the teams. I've never heard of EPD before. Oh, are you serious or no? Yeah, what the hell are you talking about? Oh, the like, triangle. Uh, yeah. That's a triangle? The triangle it's a th of building products. Three legs of a stool. That's like the worst three-letter acronym, though. Yeah. Like, I would call it DEP. 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 But yeah, I say DEP. 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 Because we kind of all are like, the our job as designers, like at some level, is to like hold the group together that's doing this thing. Uh, usually there's only one designer on a team, on a thing. Uh, I've been on some projects where there were like, there's like a designer and like three PMs and like, you know, four or five eng leads. And like all you're doing, literally your job is to be like, let's not argue. Let's not argue. I'm going to keep drawing things until we all agree that that's the right thing. Like, Stop arguing. With the yeah. empathy tethers. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like that's like sort of the role is like keep everyone in the room until the problem is solved. And like, be, like being able to whiteboard in that space is actually really good. Um, generally, whiteboarding like solves a couple problems, but like there, it's not like my day. If I had just worked by myself, I would never whiteboard. Uh, I would say like, yep. oh, cool, I sketched out on some piece of paper or I like reference two web things that I think I should do or like two apps or two whatever or three things and go like, okay, if these things match up, that's cool. I know in my brain how that would work. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have to spec it out for anyone. I can just do it. Um, but like the, the whiteboard is there so that like designers can keep everyone in the room um, and keep everyone focused. And like maybe that's more of a product role, but I find that like it ends up really falling on the designer in some on, in some capacity. Before we get too far ahead, we we did mm -hmm. sort of tangent. So you felt like yeah. an outsider. Yeah. Oh, I totally feel like an outsider. I still do. Like, still this do. feels weird being here. Yeah. Why did you decide to come on? So I messaged you as like, hey, you want to come hang out yeah. and chat? Uh, you're like, is this a joke? Is this a joke? <laughs> I said, is this a joke? And then I said, I'm flattered? Question mark. Yeah. 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 You said I'm flattered? Question mark. And I thought you meant to type like an exclamation point or something. <laughs> so yeah, I said. Yeah. Rising inflection point question mark? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, I am flattered. I'm flattered to be here. Like I'm excited to talk. I can talk all day. It's uh -huh. like a gift, not or a curse. Um, we talked for many days. Yes, yes, yeah. In a row. In uh -huh. a row. Um, yeah, I, th like those conference. Th I'm really bad at conferences. I used to go to like South by too. I'm bad at them too. Back in the day, I feel like everyone thinks they're bad. I'm bad. Well, yeah. you guys did a really good job at just sitting at the table and talking to each other. That's yes. the only reason. I yeah, survived. and Ryan, Ryan Hubbard, yeah, because yeah. he he felt the same way. Like I, I immediately had a conversation with him where he was like, "This is like not my scene. Like trying to meet people who I know who I know of." He's like, "It's so weird." Um, and I was like, "That's 100 percent how I feel. Like I generally just like want to meet someone and then just like." How, get deep with them and sort of like move through that process and then like they're a friend for life right like that's how i met justin yeah um i at, at, a, at a conference i really really like meeting people from the internet just like i've talked to you so many times like i just want to talk to you in person i'm like extremely bashful on the internet and i don't ever want to like disrupt someone's life so i never reach out even if i have something like to contribute i'm like oh, i'm probably just like pissing into the wind like like they're they're having their conversation and if i start contributing like i just look like a guy trying to like glom on and that's how i feel at conferences too is like i just feel like a guy trying to like i don't know let me part of that thing um and i don't like feeling that way i feel like i don't know it's weird it's, it's deep I this is like I, deep I, psychological i feel stuff. way more similar to you but that's why i enjoy going to conferences with bryn because bryn will be like hey 
come meet this person who you know of on the internet and then like we get to chatting but oh, I, yeah. I can't do that on my own i get absolutely exhausted and that's why like on the last day you and i just sat on the bench and just fucking i talked really, for like really five yeah. hours yeah. really hate the idea of networking but i really really like meeting people <laughs> yeah I, I feel the exact same way and i've never been able to like bridge it i've never been able to like take mm-hmm. it from that thing to that thing like being, being there with justin if i hadn't gone with justin yeah. and like known justin was going to be there i would not have gone yeah because i know myself well enough to go like i just would have sat in a corner um and like drank and then gone to sleep like i that's what I would do. Like, I would be like, oh, hey, I met some random person. Cool. Let's talk. And then like we're friends. But like that's all the people I met in three yeah. days is like this one person. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think so. I think the reason I hate networking, though, is because it implies some ulterior motive. Yeah. Just yeah. not the thing. Yeah. Not at all. I just want to know you. Yeah. I try to. I, I think that I come off like this. I come off sort of confident is the right probably the right word and i'm like absolutely not confident in any way like i am like the biggest like imposter syndrome like case of all time you just seemed like you're like Meh, i'm here yeah this everyone, is what i'm doing now everyone's like you're so chill and i'm like am i because inside oh, it's like a thunderstorm <laughs> of anxiety uh, so what's happening right now because you did agree to come on and i'm very yeah. happy you did i'm comfortable now like i have this thing of like i'm anxious until i get into it yeah um right now i'm a little bit anxious that i'm just like rambling anxious uh-huh. until you can st- like until you can't stop it anymore kind of thing yeah like, once you're in it you're like well guess i'm doing this thing now yeah presenting like presenting in front of a big group is oh. like terrifying and the moment i say my first word i'm like here we go yeah well like if i fuck this up like i don't care like at this point like i'm doing it it's done like i could like you know <laughs> yeah. in- insult everyone in the room and i would be like that ah, was kind of successful uh, <laughs> that's I also think, a concern i think i did pretty good did everyone you, hates you yeah. did you everyone get something out of it now. that thing can be offended <laughs> yeah, yeah perfectly fine if it's offended uh uh-huh. yeah so i think that that's I, I, it's like this like um it's like pre-performance anxiety it's like the before i'm actually doing the thing i'm anxious and then like when i'm doing it i'm like once you're into it it's just like if i can find like the clarity of where i need to go done exactly what about what about feeling like an outsider now that you've been here for six months like do you feel like an outsider in the design you've been here here? longer than 90 percent of people yeah Yeah. (laughs) well so what's interesting is like you talk i feel like there is a bunch of people on twitter Mm-hmm. that I consider like the San Francisco design community. Yeah. But I meet a lot of people who aren't on Twitter and I would maybe say you're in that group that like yeah. does you good have work a Twitter and account. thinks about design mm-hmm. but like isn't part of that like yeah. cluster. Thinks about design is such a weird like qualifier to me. Sorry, I keep saying that. I, everyone says this all the time like design thinking and I'm like, I mean, I get what you're trying to say but that sounds like bullshit. As and, long like, as you said you- higher order product thinking and I'm like, I know what that means but God, that just yeah okay yeah so it's true i yeah so i I do like a lot of thinking about design like a lot like in my free time i have like i have tons of cool you're a designer got it i have tons (laughs) of like what are potentially blog posts that are really just me trying to convince myself that i'm right Uh uh-huh uh or that (laughs) like most blog posts (laughs) yeah oh yeah right like yeah if it's like more than if what is it if it's more than uh if it's more than a thousand words it's to convince yourself uh, if it's less than a thousand words, it's actually to teach someone else. Is that the? There's I've never shit. heard that. I, I wrote six thousand words of documentation last week. Are you convinced? Are you? Are you? I mean, convinced? it's basically a dictionary, <laughs> or like yeah, an encyclopedia, yeah. different kind of writing. Yeah, I th- and I think yeah. I th- so I think that like that's like how I view blog posts. If someone like writes like a really long one, I'm like, okay, cool. They're like convincing themselves of something, and I should like get in there and like communicate with them. But if they if they write something that's like prescriptive and short, I'm like, oh, they get it, and they're just trying to teach me. And I'm cool with that too. Like I think those are like the two formats of like of web writing. Okay. 
and all of mine are like you know twenty thousand word like yeah, yeah. and Convincing like a bunch of code yourself. snippets to understand like uh, I have one going on about the the concept of like design tools or like tools for making like the like EPD tools like every product manager I've ever worked with is like either UXE or technical but they definitely can write like HTML or JavaScript mm-hmm. or CSS um, and I th- often think like what if their PRD was just like what H- is a PRD. Uh, it's like a product request document. It's like a it's like an artifact that um, that a PM would make for you, where they go like this, <laughs> like this is what we're gonna build, and let's talk about a it. Spec. Oh, it's like yeah, a spec. It's, yeah. it's like a spec. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, PRDs, I think, are a Google specific thing, but I've worked mm-hmm. with so many Google PMs that like PRDs just what we I sure. thought. Um, but like they could have they could have built like a really low level like unstyled prototype instead of this document. And then we could like, oh, cool. Now design should attack that like unstyled prototype and like rework the flow and rework the components so that they make the most sense for the user. And then you could hand that off to the engineers and say like, I don't know, run with this. And like all they're really doing, all you're really doing at that point is like refactoring through the levels of the process. And like if there was like one doc type to rule them all, like what would that doc type be? Pearl. Pearl, be just Pearl. Um, I think it would be HTML, right? Even when you're going to build, if you're going to end up building like a an iOS app, for instance, um, the earliest forms and content uh, that we all understand, like the lowest level thing that pretty much anyone working in this industry understands is HTML um, because it's like strictly typed. It, it like, it's not really strictly typed. That's a bad way to say it. But it has, you know, like there are like tags that make sense and you can understand them and you can say, okay. And I think React does a good job of this, like naming components, which is like the hardest part of the internet anyway, mm-hmm. uh, of making anything is naming it. Nope. That's the easiest part. <laughs> I feel like agreeing on names is hard. Maybe like naming <laughs> isn't hard. Like the agree, we all agree that that component Component should be called a. I really um, enjoy naming things. Oh I man, really awesome. enjoy naming. We should things. work. You should come work with me. We should work <laughs> together. We should work together. I, I'm terrible at it. Like I'm the worst at naming mm-hmm. things. Um, but I think that there should be this piece, this artifact that like just gets keeps getting refactored. That's what we're doing. We're just doing it with all these different like disparate tools, and then there is like no proper refactoring from what a product like the original product idea through to the end thing, it's not refactored. But like, I feel like that's the right way to work. Let's talk about design systems. Oh, yes. So what's it? Well, what well, is that? Hang on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, first we got to define mm-hmm. it. But yeah. I, this week was interesting because Kenneth Bowles put a tweet up. That's like, what's the difference between a style guide and a design system? Mm-hmm. And, or is it just a trendy name for a style? Yeah. Guide? Is it a trendy name for a style guide? Uh, very interesting tweets yeah. that followed. I, I like John Gold hopped in, Wilson Miner hopped in, like all these all these folks talking mm-hmm. about what they think of as a design system. What is a design system to you? I had this. Uh, I want to roll back to a conversation I had with a with the PM I work with. Uh-huh. Um, I've been integrating these like text snippets that a group of folks at our company, the verifiers, use to like ask people questions, and they like. It's like, hey, you didn't upload your Chase Bank statement and we need that from you. So like Chase Bank statement is like in brackets because like it's probably like a USAA account or it's a Bank of America account. So they change that little piece um, and then they can ask the question, right? It's a template and they were calling them macros. And our PM is like uh, uh, Daniel. He's like just an incredible dude. I love him to death. Uh, working with him is actually one of the best parts of my job because he's like 
he's really serious about naming things. Um, everyone in the room needs to be calling things the exact same thing or else he just like loses his mind. Mm-hmm. I love it because I'm kind of like, we all <laughs> should be using the same words, but it's also hard. And he was like, these aren't, these aren't macros. These are templates. And he's like, a macro implies that there's logic. Uh, and I think that design systems like imply logic and a uh, style guide is like the way that a designer views that logic, right? In implemented. So like the design system itself is like a set of rules and a style guide is just like an implementation of those rules that you can absorb visually. It's an instance of the rules. Yeah. That's how I view the two as being separate. Cause I've been, I like, so being like a solo worker, designer, engineer, product person over the last couple of years, uh, well, since 2004, I've built lots of the design systems, but they're in my head. They're like locked up in my head. Um, and as soon as, because I was working solo. Most That's of the not time. helpful. Right. Not helpful <laughs> at all. Right. So I would spit out a style guide and say like, well, the next time someone works on your project, let them use this style guide. And like, if you have a, an aside, it's going to look like this. And if you have a, this, it's going to look like that. And um, it's prescriptive in a way about how you should like, design things um, but it doesn't include the logic of how you should design things does a design system have to include code or can it i don't can it can it be the logic of the visual system is that a design it can be the system? logic it can be the logic of the visual system uh, so in that argument well discussion on twitter uh-huh. um it's all about how you frame it uh-huh. uh wilson came in at the end shout out to wilson because i think that dude's work is like wilson minor the bees he does it all with a shovel did you know that he does it all with a shovel (laughs) he's making the tools he's using the tools um (laughs) i'm glad we all know these tweets like we all see the same shit (laughs) yeah so he weighed in and his opinion i thought was like extremely valid because his opinion he i don't think he would like weigh in with an unqualified opinion um and he started to talk about Massimo Vignelli's Unigrid, uh, which is the National Park Systems grid. Uh, is a, it's their design system. And uh, he made an argument about, like, here is the system, and it is implemented in a style guide, which is, like, any of the park's pamphlets ever made. And he's like, any one of those can be a style guide for Unigrid, but, like, the description of Unigrid is actually, like, is the design system. I think that that's the way I think about it. That like, if you implement, if you saw a website, uh, let's say you saw like a page on Facebook, you would say, if you were asked to go and build something for Facebook, you would say, okay, I'm just gonna like absorb all the styles on this page. I'm gonna spit something out that fits these styles and it's done. But like, you don't have the like view into the system to understand the logic that implies why things are made that way. Mm. It's the why. I I felt like that's what I took away is the design system contains the why whereas the style guide is more like the what and the how yeah is uh, that seemed to resonate with me Mm -hmm. and like that that's why i think we all now are talking about them in code because code is like the most efficient way to express logic yeah um because you can't misinterpret it you can't be like oh no that like oh that says it's a like this comes back to naming uh like that says it's a you know chat widget but like I don't know. I'll just repurpose that as a blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you shouldn't do that. Like, that's what the chat looks like. That's not what the news feed looks like. So how rigid are design systems? Um, do I they think, have to have built-in flexibility? Or do, is a design system rigid and you expand the the borders of that? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that like, so that's the reason I love Unigrid when I think about design systems, because it is literally just a grid. 
Like that's like it's a grid and a type system, and like you can put anything in the grid in any format, and as long as it's on that grid, it looks the way it should, and you know it's part of the system. Uh, like it's so clear. Uh, the clarity of like the design documents is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Does the design system have to go from the logic all the way to implementation, or is it enough just to be the logic? So, for example, mm. if does the logic also have to spit out production code? I don't think it necessarily does. Mm-hmm. I think that if it's it's like a way for you to like uh, test your uh, theories about what you could build. I think if you are like working in a design system and you start pushing up against these edges of like, oh, well, like it can't look exactly like that thing. Uh, it, like it, it doesn't fit into the design system right now. And I can see how it could sort of fit into the design system. You, you start to like, say, well, maybe we should be thinking about like expanding the design system. Does the, is the design system like a living document? And I think it sh- absolutely should be. Um, I think like the only great example of like it not being living is Unigrid in that they've been using it for like 50 years and it's mind-blowingly good. Um, it's one of the things that I always like look at every time I start a project. It's and maximum I go, like, Vignelli. Yeah, it really, it truly is. Truly is. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's awesome. Do you feel like everyone needs a design system? Or is it is a design system only practical to place like Facebook, Airbnb? Mm. Uh, well, do you think you big can, tech companies? Do you I, think you can design no. without at least an implicit one? Right. Can you? And that's my point of like having them in your head when you're yeah. working solo. You know, like oh hey, like I mean, even like your like um, eight pixel thing. Point. <laughs> Come on, dude. Do we call them points? The, We're calling them points. The eight PT grid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's a design system. The The logic is everything falls on this baseline. Mm-hmm. Like, if that's how you're designing, if that's... So, like, that's the... like cleanest, There's an internal logic. Yeah, there's this tiny nugget of logic that governs everything. Um, and it's sort of like the unigrid is like, there's just this grid and these mm-hmm. typefaces. Um, and that's how, how simple it is. Uh, I think that's a design system. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, as you expand that, like, if you have to interact and, and work on the same stuff with other people, um, you start to have to communicate that more and more clearly. And I think that's why we're seeing it. Like, I don't know how it looks like 300 and something designers at Facebook. Like, we're basically just learning how to communicate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because we all are. And no one wants to be called a communications designer. So it's design systems, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, those are different things. Yeah. But I think Airbnb well, is. They're calling them what, like design technologists? Design technologists. Well, those are the people who develop on that team. There are also design systems people like Kari Sarin and, okay. and Meredith Schomburg's on that team now too. That's design language systems. Interesting. Which, I mean, communications. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, and it's a weird level of communication in that like, they're just communicating with the other designers at the mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like having this hive mind that's governed by some logic and some rules and there's someone who's like the point on that runs point on that project is like really important to a big company. Well, um, yeah. I, th- I think people outside of product talk about design and development as if they are magic. Right. Um, yeah. But really it's just a translation layer between humans and computers. Mm-hmm. I say this a lot, but design systems is like the translation layer internally, right? Like, yeah. so that we all understand what each other is saying, which is not an easy thing to do. Right. Like right. once you get beyond one person, that becomes a clusterfuck. Like I can't even imagine trying to do that for 300 people. It's like, right. because everyone has these incredibly nuanced use cases and it's like, fuck, what's the system for this? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, well, even you had a someone's system. Someone's like, I don't want Brian's 400 symbols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm trying to make my own for like this very small use case, right? Yeah. Um, which has turned out to be an interesting learning project, but I, I don't know how far it goes. Like that's that was my question about like, does this have to go all the way to production code? Because I, I show people this little tool I'm building, they're like, well, does this output the thing mm-hmm. in Swift and Java and all this kind of stuff? I'm like, no, no, not but really, it's, it could. It, it's yeah, more, it could. It, it, it could, but right now it's just that like tiny nugget of logic, which mm-hmm. is if you're designing something on this platform, use these rules. If you're designing on this size screen, use these rules. Yeah. And like those rules are like the, that's the thing you have to communicate amongst a whole team every right, time. Right? right. That's really mm-hmm. like a big part of being on a design team is yeah. that communication. Yeah. And like, like you were by yourself a buffer, uh-huh. but you had a design system. Like everything looked very consistent oh. over there. Right. <laughs> Did you not? Where you're just but like, I don't know. We had a style guide. At the time, I don't, I don't it know was, how it was Brian's style. It everything was, hovered and lifted off the page. Right. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> buffer was like, I think buffer. <laughs> Well, I can't say this because it sounds the love really, lift. really cocky. It was, I loved, we had very, very subtle gradients and I like that. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm all right with that. Anyways, now I have lots of hovers and shadows and shit like that. <laughs> uh, as soon as I left Sidewire, I started going crazy with the gradients. I was just like, this is stuff I couldn't ship anywhere else. So fuck, fuck it. it. <laughs> <laughs> gradient. These are some fucking That's gradients right now. That's how I feel right about now. any side project. I'm like, what's the craziest shit I can do? But then I always reel myself back. So that's why my personal website is just white. Yeah, you're, you're, the same thing going you're pretty white boring. in the wash. Yeah, your website's pretty boring. We're in the same boring boat, man, but it works. Yeah, yeah, white, gray, like there's a blue, there's a blue link style. It's like Honestly. the internet. It looks might, like you might internet. as well be a startup. Startup yeah. blue. Totally, uh-huh. totally. Uh, there's something to that though, in that I never like, uh, actually I need to refactor my CSS on my webpage, but. Um, I got you, homeboy. Yeah. <laughs> I just wrote a library. It's oh, pretty good. Awesome, awesome. Well, speaking of CSS, I think that's been the interesting thing about Tachyons is mm-hmm. there. there's a system to it, right? It's, yep. it's mathematically growing variable units mm-hmm. i'm not i don't know how to articulate it, but essentially like you have five measurements and that dictates the entire organization mm-hmm. the whole thing yeah. or whatever it's like so 0.5 rems 0.751 to like yeah uh, it's a scale right so this is and that d- dictates type size it dictates but margins it dictates paddings and anytime i use it and i want to have tighter pixel control i feel like i'm breaking the system because i am like right. he's designed the system uh adam morse has designed the system in like such a way and as soon as you start to stray from it you feel dirty mm-hmm. at least that's how i feel when i use it yeah so um, mine was originally made based on base css and mm-hmm. tachyons yeah. um but i expanded it to work with news grids like that was the main reason i expanded beyond those rules is to fit traditional news grids but then i moved it oh, back cool. to like my personal stuff so now it's actually uh you use loops to define your implements Mm -hmm. or like your sizes with sass yep so it's it's as small as it can possibly be but flexible the reason i had which is not my favorite thing but i had to break the tachyons and base css measurements because they don't give you small enough pixel control yeah and i think that's intentional from their point of view but from my side is like i need two to four pixel control and that doesn't exist on those systems yeah 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 I'm with you. The the eight pixel like setup works perfectly for me, but that's yeah. I mean, that's sometimes how it works. you need fours and twos. You just do, and that system it doesn't go that nuance. I guess you just add on to it. But yeah, there's also well, like not like negative what? negative margins and stuff. <laughs> like there's some stuff where you're like, oh, but I wanted that to be a certain way. And there you're like, there are in base mm. CSS. Okay, which I, it, I've so, only used base. I used base like very briefly on one yeah. project, and I was like, 
oh, I get it. It's cool. Um, and then I felt like Tachyons took it like a, another step forward. And I, yeah. I used that on a hackathon project I did a few weeks ago mm-hmm. um, but for the first time. Going back to naming, I'm particularly proud of this name because it's rooted in base CSS, mm-hmm. B-A-S-S. Uh-huh. I used to have this base called Spectre, mm-hmm. S-P-E-C-T-O-R. Mm-hmm. And everything I name is starts with spec now. <laughs> it fits the pattern. I'm proud That's of you, buddy. awesome. Yeah. Naming's hard. Oof. I would say naming is the hardest. Yeah. I've been I've been a part it's of like, some like terrible naming processes. It's like, this is a header and it has a title and a subtitle. Fuck. No, I mean like a heading and a subheading. Shit. I mean <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. And then you change it every every time. Totally. Yeah, so I think that like CSS itself is like lends itself to this design. Like, like, hey, like if you're using tachyons, you're not going to be able to get that granular control. Um, but that's like one of the rules of the design system that is tachyons. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I just feel like we're all just like working towards like we're just like uh, sharpening the pencil over time, right? Artisanally. Uh, yeah, very artisanally sharpening that pencil. Um, and like eventually you settle into I just do this thing. Um, I've been working on a side project with a buddy and like, he's like, how do you do this so fast? And I was like, I'm just like doing the thing. Like I'm doing the, like, I'm not really thinking about like while I'm working on it, I'm not thinking that much about it visually. Yeah. Although it turns out fine. Cause I'm using like an eight point, there's air quotes point grid, um, an eight point grid. And like, that's how I always work. Yeah. And then like, there's another, there's like an underlying grid inside of there where like, and it's just fast. It's like the, mm-hmm. it's the fast way to get it. I thing don't have gone. to think about it anymore. Yeah. It's practice. Exactly. Right? So here's what I feel about that is I've become faster because you start to build your own set of internal rules. Like yep. I just do it this way. I just do it this way. I don't mm-hmm. use odd measurements, things like that. Um, but what I find is all my shit looks the same. Always. And yeah, that's yeah, yeah. good because I'm a utilitarian designer. But like mm-hmm. if I want to do anything creative, I'm like, well, don't know how to do that because yeah. it doesn't fit on the grid. And but that drives me bananas. Think about like, okay, writing, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Like you build that up by thinking about it over time, right? Like you, not mm-hmm. not like your quality of writing, but your handwriting, mm-hmm. right? At first, you don't know how to use a pencil. Uh-huh. It's just practice. And yeah. you can you can shift that practice to make it a different way. Yeah, but I find that like what I'm concerned about is those rules are becoming so hard grained inside of me that if if for whatever reason technology changes or changes or society changes, I'm going to be left in the dust because Brian, rules, you're 24. Calm down. Yeah, well, I th- but I think that applies to like anything you do for a long enough period of time. All of a sudden, you become old school. Your style becomes old school when right. things change. But everything comes back around, right? Like so, you'll like go through this. Like I feel like. It, like there was like the 80s was a lot like it is now in a way like that there was like systems were really important and that's how we built everything and then like you know david carson came along and was like oh, i don't know let's like glue some stuff together and that's design and then uh like the end i don't know of, who that is oh uh, he's uh he like famously made a bunch of um he's a graphic designer i think he teaches somewhere now um and he had this like super grunge style he's like basically like if you talk about graphic design and grunge, I think he's the person that comes to mind for me. Texture boy. Yeah. It's like textures and just like, like cut and paste. It was like this zine culture and like punk rock culture hitting graphic design, uh, like square in the face. And it's like pretty seminal work. It's totally (laughs) worth checking out. Um, but so like we, then we like unwound that until we, where we are today where everything is just like white and like you got that sweet two pixel border radius on everything. Right. And like, Ooh, <laughs> oh, so pretty uh, and um, just smooth enough. Uh, so, 
there's this like level of like that's where we are now and like i i can see it like all these gradients right now are like pretty like late 80s inspired and like i would not be surprised if we saw some grunge stuff come back pretty soon um like some level of that grunge stuff coming back pretty soon in some new technology format because i don't think like the web is a great place for that style of design oh yeah um and like i often say like the best like the best user interface is like a sql query right like because I can be no. so Ooh, false. specific <laughs> about what I want out uh-huh. of that bucket. Like if it was smart enough to like, if that was the interface with everything I did, I'd probably work really fast. Um, but like we have to take this abstraction layer out and like we're we're slowly like removing abstraction layers over time. Like Flash was like, like a giant abstraction layer. Um, I think like all of the like uh, skeuomorphic stuff was like an abstraction layer to like understand how you work with your phone and we're able to like sort of tear that stuff away and tear that stuff away until we get down to like eventually it's a chat bot i talked about this before with brian about like is our bots a good thing and like is that interface good and i don't think it is um and i think we'll like bounce off of that like it'll be like oh everything's a chat bot and then i'll be like well what i really want from the chat bot is the same three things every time i talk to the chat bot like just give them to me as buttons and i can just tap them and be done i don't think it is for the uses where you, like we're applying it to everything yeah. just so broadly so broadly there's things That's like fine i feel like it's a good exploratory time right so mm-hmm. there's a bunch of companies doing shipment notifications through it i think that's great uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah like that's fantastic yeah. hey your ups guys at your door like right okay yeah. <laughs> cool Done. well you don't have to take any action except for a physical one yeah uh, it's like that moment where like if something were to say like oh, you've got a meeting in five minutes. Um, what would you like me to do? And it's like, well, I don't want to talk to you. I want the address of the place or I want a car or I want to call that person and tell them I'm going to be late. Like, those are my options um, every single time. And I'm not going to, like, say, hey, uh, call Kevin. Like, that sucks versus, like, touching a button that says, like, call Kevin yeah. is a totally different experience than, like, having to have this conversation mm-hmm. and, like, reorient yourself into a conversation. Like, when you walk into a room with people, you like have it takes a little while to warm up to the room and like to feel the vibe um and i feel like with chatbots it's like there's no time for that vibe thing and i never want to actually talk to my phone mm-hmm. uh, i never want to like interact with a bot because i'm kind of like oh, there's no vibe with this bot this bot i know what this bot's doing behind the scenes i understand the concepts um, you guys you guys seen the piece going around this week about the airpods as like mm-hmm. apple's foray into uh ar oh interesting which piece is that that's uh, not chris messina's is it uh, I don't know who wrote it. Oh my yeah, god! Christmas Cena's like, piece on AirPods is, was just the shittiest, broiest thing I've become, ever read. Oh no 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 no! Uh, no. Ooh, uh, didn't he invent like a, yeah, a hashtag yeah. or something? Hashtag. Um, no, I'm talking about the idea that now you have this passive thing that can talk to you and you can talk mm-hmm. to it. Um, and I you think start that's to a, work that into Siri and your yeah. apps, and it just sit. I mean, it's very her esque, right? Yeah. But, I mean, I think that Apple like clearly is operating five years behind what they're actually thinking at any given time. I, maybe that's not true today. That's been true traditionally. Um, you know, every time something new ships, someone is like, oh, I remember when I was working at Apple. That's what I was working on. Um, and they haven't been at Apple for five or six years. I've, I imagine what they're doing with Siri is like scaffolding us up to being comfortable with these types of interactions. Mm. Um, I think that's what we're all kind of doing. I think of like, messenger is doing that right now like all right anyone can build a bot but like really like there's like seventy five thousand garbage bots and there's like three that are actually valuable and they're probably made by facebook right (laughs) i mean like to be perfectly honest right because they have like the people at facebook have the most like context around like whether or not this is good because they've been working with it longer 
And it's like the technology, I mean, going from like a DOS prompt in like 1992 when I started using computers uh, to like dial my friend up on my like, you know, 14.4 modem, which would have been like 94. But um, like that was a real thing. Like bulletin board systems was a thing and it was like all text-based. And then we like got this layer of the internet that was like, oh, there's buttons. Like it can actually like, I don't have to have this like two-way conversation. And like these buttons are actually a good thing. Um I think like we're going to go back down to like, you know, CLIs and then we're going to come back up. And that's just like the life of like learning new tech. Mm-hmm. We're over time. All right. What keeps you up at night? Oh, you can't say your kids don't. Oh, no, no. Um, it's related to my kids. Um, <sighs> but it's not it's my Odin's <laughs> two ravens. Coming yeah. in. It's Odin's raven. Um, no, it's uh, like um, a six legged horse slept near uh, climate change. Whoa, oh, whoa. Check it out. Hang on. I thought we were talking about design here. Yeah. Climate change freaks me out. Bad. Yeah. Like bad, bad. I don't like to think about it. Um, and when I do, I get in a dark place. Because you live near water? Um, no. I, yeah. I mean, I grew up near the water. And like, I know that, that like those ecosystems are all dying. And like, that's like such a bummer. And like, I, I get like two, don't even get me started. But that's the reason. So um, I was saying earlier that I reached out. Uh, we were talking earlier before this podcast started. And I said that um, I'm trying to reach out to Brett Victor. That's the reason I want to reach out to Brick Victor's. I want to talk to him about his yeah. uh, environment post. His insanely I, long, detailed environment It's post. so good, though. And I think that there's some stuff that I want to, like, sort of, uh, I don't want to pick his brains the wrong way to say it. I want to have, like, a conversation about, like, two or three of the topics because, I like, my, like, aspirations are to, like, do something that is, like, net good for humanity. And there are some solutions um, – that aren't being employed yet, like at an industrial level. And I think they could be. Um, and I have a, like a strong desire to start a thing in a couple of years that like industrializes some processes that are net good for humanity. So cryptic, man. Yeah. I, I just want to start like kelp farms. Oh, yeah. Like I just want to industrialize that process of like uh, sequestering CO2 and nitrogen um, and growing food and growing biofuel all in one place in like a controlled environment, in, like in the water. And Why like, do you have to wait? Um, I don't like, I just would have to focus so much on it. I have like a, I have like three blog posts about that that are written. Um, <laughs> three drafts trying yeah, to convince no one, myself that it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that no one would read. No uh-huh. one would ever read it. Um, and it's pointless. Uh, there's some interesting articles that have been written since like 2012 about people doing this. Um, Startup I, idea. Solve time. Yes, yes. Or just like solve climate. Like, ooh, that sounds <laughs> Well, if you solve time, you can just stop it. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. But that's definitely the thing that keeps me up at night is like being like paralyzed um, by the fear of like climate change affecting my kids. And like, because I'm going to be dead before it's terrible. Um, but like humanity Mad will Max, live on man. and it will be sad. Um, oh, Dune, but, right? Isn't that what Dune's all about? I don't, I have never experienced <gasps> the Dune. You've never read Dune? No, I, I had a long... Isn't it like partially a commentary on climate? I, and possibly, I have no idea. He hasn't read it, Brian. <laughs> I literally have no idea. So what did you think about the book? So the, so the book... <laughs> Can you give us a book review? Yeah. <laughs> Can I review the cover? I know the cover. <laughs> the book that you had There was read. some sand and spices and worms. <laughs> <laughs> the big worms. Uh, anyway, that's like the thing that keeps me up at night is like anxiety about climate change, which is so weird and like meta... And like probably won't affect me, but it will super affect my kids. And that's like a, if people do want to read your blog posts that you're for sure going to publish soon, where would they do that? They would do that at um, I have 
Lucas Smith, like L-U-C-A-S-S-M-I-T-H dot me. The traditional spelling. Yes, the traditional spelling of Lucas Smith. Uh, of the Saverna Park Smiths. Of the Saverna Park Smiths uh, dot me. Yeah, that's... Uh, being a smith is like the absolute worst thing on the internet uh-huh. because you can't be anything ever like i use my old company name as my email address and like i have like uh, a bunch of urls related to that and they'll just redirect you now to my it sounds to like smith you have an identity issue identity generally speaking like i like all <laughs> over the place yeah for sure who am i yeah and yeah, we didn't even dig into my hobbies like we oh no i know we didn't we did not <laughs> we even scratch those surface. because we could have talked for another you can't hours. fit an entire person into an hour yeah. no yeah. way this, i go deep not you yeah you got a lot me. of stuff Oof. <laughs> yeah i used to work in a shed that i built um that had kegerators so, yeah oh man like i can go deep and like all the nuance of how that happened and, let's save it for next time we can talk about hobbies next time yeah. we should bring design details we should bring justin in next time with me and he and i can just like can we just have you guys make fun of each other for an hour? We can We can do that. <laughs> we have that. You can read. We can read our texts. Uh huh. <laughs> we should read the texts we have text, with our wives. Text from Justin we should read just like our like marital texts uh-huh. on the air. Wouldn't uh-huh. that be fun? Everyone would love that. You should start a Tumblr. And this is how the fight started. And this is how the fight ended. But the fight wasn't over. Oh uh, yeah. We can do that. Uh, the suspense will will torture me. Until then, uh-huh. uh, thanks for coming and hanging out. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, oh, it was a blast. I am totally flattered. Really, truly, great. I'm flattered? Yeah. (laughs) Question mark? Question mark? (laughs) That was 164. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Lucas for joining us. And thank you to Wayno and Made by Q for making this episode happen. Wayno is a design agency here in San Francisco, uh, New York, and Reykjavik building awesome products for awesome humans. The team is awesome. We love their team, their work, and they're sponsoring the podcast because they just want you to know about them. So you should go check them out. Go to wayno.co. That's U-E-N-O dot C-O. Read their case studies. Look at their portfolio. Their dribble is incredibly inspiring. They're doing a huge rebrand right now that is absolutely gorgeous. And of course, if you can follow along in more real time at their Twitter and Instagram pages, which will be linked in the show notes. And they are hiring. So go check them out. U-E-N-O dot C-O slash careers. Last but not least, Managed by Q out in New York doing amazing work with our friend Daniel Burka as a design mentor. This is a team you want to be on because they take really good care of their people from the top to the bottom. It's incredible. Managed by Q is building an operating system for physical spaces, helping companies with their offices, uh, handling everything from catering to IT, cleaning, plumbing, office supply management, and they need you. They're looking for product and brand designers to help take them to the next level. You can learn more by going to spec.fm slash mbq. That'll take you to their careers page, give you all the info you need. Or if you want to chat in person, go to our Slack team, spec.fm slash Slack, and hit up JT White. He's in there. Uh, He's working at Managed by Q, and we'll be happy to answer any questions you have. Thanks so much again to Managed by Q. Once again, that's at spec.fm slash MBQ. Thanks once again to Managed by Q. We'll see you next week.